the state is the great Satan. <laughs> that sounds really dramatic, maybe kind of woo-woo, kind of dark. But but I believe that. This is something that I have I have believed for a long time. Uh, the more I have studied the nature of the state over my life, uh, the, the nature of government power, its sources, uh, its effects, and importantly, how to combat it. You know, I have always been motivated by freedom, making myself and others free, and that's led me down this intellectual journey and career journey of figuring out what are the impediments to freedom. And, you know, the state is the biggest. Um, but where does that come from? Why is the state allowed? Why does it hang around? Why is it so powerful? Where does it get its power? How can you fight that power? And I've learned through study of public choice theory, experience, et cetera, that politics is no way to overcome the power of the state. That's like that's like saying this casino uh, is corrupt and, and um, I don't think this casino should exist. It's destroying people's lives. So I'm going to go play blackjack there every day until I win all of the casino's money and put it out of business. That's what getting involved in politics is as a way to try to expand freedom. <laughs> You're doomed. <laughs> You're sealing your own fate. But anyway, this idea of the state as Satan, 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 state, I mean, come on, it's right there. No, it, seriously though, that Follow me with this. Follow me with this as a as an allegory, as an analogy, or a um, a way of seeing the similarity in the concepts, in the idea, in the idea of the state as this all powerful authority that you know is simply a fact of life that must be dealt with, and the idea of Satan, this dark and evil force, and I'm I'm kind of appealing to both traditional cultural understandings and beliefs about the idea of Satan as well as kind of the, the Christian tradition idea. So the state and Satan both gain 100% of their power entirely from people's fear of it. Absent that fear, there is no power there. Absent the fear of the state or Satan, they have no power. Fear of it and belief in it. Belief in its ability, belief in its necessity and inescapability. Fear of it. And importantly, through propaganda, fear of life without it. Yes, it's terrible, but it would be even worse if I didn't have it. It's necessary. It's a necessary evil. Ooh. What a dangerous, dangerous phrase. What a sinister phrase. There's a great scene in C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce, where this character is sort of exploring the fringes of heaven and this glowing angel is sort of inviting him to, to come in, to come all the way into heaven and to, to enjoy, you know, working his way through the, the glorious heavenly realms. And this guy has this lizard-like creature on his shoulder that represents, it's like an embodied symbolic representation of his, of his lust, basically, or his lust or his addiction, some kind of addiction. I can't remember what it is. And every time he's, he's ready to come with this angel, this lizard whispers in him, but, but I'll, I'll die. I can't handle it. I, if I go there, it'll kill me. 
and you need me. You can't live without me. And he keeps succumbing to this until finally the angel with like a flaming hand just grabs the lizard, rips it off his shoulder and kills it. And the guy, and the guy suffers. The guy's in pain. It's horrible. But once the pain passes, he realizes he never needed this thing. And I think that's very um, powerful symbolism for people who believe they need alcohol or whatever the addiction is. But those addictions, those are small representations of something greater, of the sort of satanic concept in general, the darkness, the evil, you know, that which makes you conflict with, violate your own conscience. You feel you can't live without it, even though it's this dark, malevolent force, right? That's the state as well. That's the state. Every argument, every fear of the state, every argument for its continued existence, every justification for the evils it does comes back to, but we can't live without it. We need it, right? Like, like an abuser tells the abused, you can't make it without me. So learn to put up with the abuse. That myth of necessity. And frankly, Thomas Hobbes' idea of life without the state being this state of nature where it's a war of all against all and you're all going to, without me, you'd all be murdering each other. Dangerous, dangerous, deceptive, evil stuff. Uh, so how else are the idea of Satan and the idea of the state the same? Well, neither can create. They can only, as the Bible says, kill, steal, and destroy. The state is a completely uncreative, unproductive entity. It can only take what has been created by others, by peaceful, prosperous human beings who are voluntarily interacting. The state takes. The state doesn't produce anything. It steals your money, and then it spends that money primarily on destructive stuff, <laughs> on payoffs and graft and bombs and playing both sides of conflicts and just this all-consuming whole. It cannot create. And that, you know, in the sort of the, the world of theology, that idea that, that the devil and, and demons are, are jealous of humans because humans can create and they can only pervert what's been created. That this idea that humans are co-creators with God, as, as is said in the Bible and in some other traditions, that they are sort of in the image of God, which means they are creative by nature, whereas these demons, devils, they're not. They don't have that. So all they can do, they're parasitic. All they can do is feed. Feed off of your negative emotions. Feed off of your hatred, right? Which is why sort of these demonic or satanic rituals, whatever, like this, you know, blood sacrifice and whatever are these concepts in popular culture around these things. And that's, that's for a reason. It's like death and blood and the consumption, the leeching off of the productivity of others, the sapping of their happiness and joy and, and prosperity. That's the only way by which the state and the devil can live. They can't unite. They can only divide. And you may think, well, I've seen states unite people, you know, after 9-11, let's say. But when you think about it carefully, the uniting is a, is a mirage because it's a uniting by division only. The only way states can unite is by division, is by, hey, we can get these two enemies to come together as friends if and only if we create a bigger enemy for them to come together against. It's always through the state 
uniting to destroy, uniting to divide. It's always a uniting around hatred, around division, which is an oxymoron, right? The two minutes hate in 1984. Look at this great unifying thing. We're unifying around our division, around our manufactured hatred for others. Contrast that to to the way that uniting happens in civil society or markets, where a bunch of strangers are coordinating for the benefit of one another in powerful ways without the need for any emotion. You don't need to stir up people's love or hatred in order to get them to coordinate and unite in a spontaneous order with the invisible hand of the market. The state requires explicit division to create any kind of temporary unity. And of course, the only tools of the state and of the devil are violence and manipulation, propaganda, continuing to spread fear, brute force, violence. There is no persuasion. There is no wooing. There is only manipulating and creating fear. The state represents it's this institutional ideal, much like Satan is the spiritual ideal of the dark, destructive force that, again, its only power is people's belief in it and fear of it. If those go away, it goes away. It loses any teeth. It becomes a joke. Which gets me to the next point. How to fight it. Well, understanding the nature of these two related concepts helps you understand how to and how not to fight it. You can't fight the state, the authority of the state violence or the, the devil, through direct confrontation. You can't use the tools of <laughs> this world to overcome this world, right? You can't use violence and military conquest. You will inevitably lose. The state will win because the state, as this disembodied idea, doesn't care who's killing who, which agents it has to use in order to maintain its existence, its hold on the minds and lives of people. It will jump from one group to the next with no problem. So violence begets violence. If you have a violent revolution, you will become the tool of the state, not the other way around. The state will outlive those that it uses. The guillotine is assured. (laughs) It will propagate itself as long as those violent things, as long as fear and violence and division are occurring and belief that there must be some leader. My leader is better than your leader. Let's take your leader down. You can't win that way. You're only propagating the idea. You're adding more power to it. You're giving it more energy. You're feeding the vampire. You're feeding the parasite more of the things that it needs to be strong hate and division and fear and violence and manipulation and propaganda. You don't fight it by overcoming it. You fight it by undercoming it, by subverting it. You laugh. You being unthreatened, being no respecter of persons, of agents of the state, no respecter of the idea. Laughter and subversion and revealing the state for what it is. See, that's the thing. The state, just like the devil, cannot win 
if cannot win by being clear and being out in the open and playing fair. Can't win in the light. It has to be in the shadows. It has to deceive. Because if people see it for what it really is, they will no longer respect it or fear it or obey it or believe they need it. If they see the truth of what it is, they won't care about it. It will lose all of its power. So it's very important to hide that. So to overcome it, to, 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 to combat it, to fight it, step into the light and force the devil, the state, to step into the light and reveal itself for what it is. And the charade ends, the mask falls off, the fear melts away. There's this great story, and I have no idea if this is true, but there's this, this uh, preacher sort of prophet named Smith Wigglesworth, this Christian guy. And the story is that he wakes up in the middle of the night and he sees a shadowy figure in the corner of his bedroom very ominous. And he says, who's there? And a voice says, it's the devil. And Smith Wigglesworth says, oh, it's just you and goes back to sleep. And I think that right there encapsulates how you win, how you overcome the manipulative, destructive, violent, deceptive force of the state, the myth of some magical authority that must be placed on the the head of various human leaders through time, and they ultimately can control everyone and tell them what to do. That's, that's that pernicious idea. It must be laughed at, ignored, mocked, not taken seriously. It reminds me of the way that communist Poland fell. People just kept ignoring it. They just kept going about, they, they had an underground economy that was bigger than the above ground economy. And it was humorous, satire, art that was mocking the state. Uh, even satirical, they had an underground insurance company to insure them uh, for when they were doing contraband activities and if they got busted by the state, that their losses could be recouped. They would pool together and they called it Lloyds of Warsaw, like the famous Lloyds of London, right? It's tongue in cheek. It's funny. It's, a, it's something that the state doesn't know how to respond to that. It doesn't know how to be funny. It, it only knows violence and fear. That's a threat. And when, when, the communism, when communism fell in Poland, the, the leader stepped down without violence, without a revolution, and said, I quit. These people are ungovernable. They became ungovernable. What does that mean? It means they became unafraid of threats by the state because they knew the truth that's always there, that the state never wants revealed, that there is no state. There's only individuals taking orders and choosing to obey them or not. Those who enforce the violence of the state are also individuals. But there's always more individuals. It's just free individuals. Some choosing to believe the lie, some attempting to enforce the lie, some trying to benefit from the lie. But if you're not afraid of them, if you see that for what it is, if you don't let them, they can't win. There's never enough. There's never enough state agents compared to individuals who are obeying, tolerating the state. And if you stop tolerating it, not by active resistance, that only makes it stronger but by subversion, by mocking, by laughing, by being unthreatened, by saying, oh, it's only you, and carrying, going back to sleep. The state's helpless. I'm also reminded of recently, when all this COVID stuff started, New York City's just draconian rule of terror, locking people in their houses, treating every citizen like a prisoner, commanding what people can't do, and then saying, you know, turning, and this is what the state and, and Satan does, because they're disembodied ideas. They need human agents to carry out their, their will. <laughs> Telling citizens to become agents of the state. Report on your fellow citizens. If you see anyone in a group of three or more 
not social distancing. Here's a hotline to report them, right? Now, if everybody goes along with that, you live in hell. You live in dystopian hell, which has happened in many countries. But what happens if people don't go along with it? What actually happened in New York when they set up this hotline, you're supposed to text the location of groups of three or more or whatever. Everybody flooded this text number with dick pics and inappropriate juvenile humor. (laughs) And the state had to shut it down. What an embarrassment. What a public admission that the state is toothless, that the state is a coward, is a lie. Only works if you're afraid of it. And if you send it dick pics instead of reporting on your neighbors for the crime of talking to each other, it has to shut down its text channel and walk away in embarrassment. That's how you subvert the state. That's how you beat it. That was the example of Christ. Subvert even to the point of death, of martyrdom. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't fear you. I don't fear death. I don't fear what you can do to me, right? What can man do to me, this idea? And through that, rendering the state toothless, revealing it for what it is. Go ahead. You want to murder an innocent man? I'm innocent. I haven't done anything. Go ahead. Kill me. It'll just reveal how cocked up you are. It will take away your power because people will see the naked truth. You know, Gandhi or other passive, you know, peaceful resistors. You've you've probably seen videos sometimes of people where the police come up and start to bully them and tell them, do this, do this. And whenever the videos, the people are like resisting or fighting or or being like, oh my God, I didn't do anything wrong. It it never seems to make much of a, a dent in the the police officer's conscience and the realization that they're acting as an agent of this dark, malevolent force. But when the person says, go ahead, you want to arrest me? Arrest me. What are you going to do? You're going to forcibly drag me out? Go ahead. Go ahead. Cameras are watching. Let everybody see what you are and what the state is. Raw, naked power. Go ahead. Be the one that tears me away from my children or my business or my peaceful activity. I'm doing nothing. Let the world see. Go ahead. Now, that's a steep personal price, but it's the only way that that concept, that picture, the only way to break the cycle, to tear the mask off and reveal the state, the devil, for what it is. Something that's powerless without your fear of it. It needs human agents to carry out its will to make deals with it and say, okay, give me a good pension and I'll, I'll do your bidding. Or to be frightened of it, to bend to it. If it has neither, it vanishes. It's revealed for the, for the mirage, the toothless thing that it is. If you create, if you laugh, if you unify, if you be above the fray, if you're unafraid and unthreatened and subversive, And funny, humor is a tool not available to the state or the devil. There's a a verse in Psalms or um, Proverbs, Proverbs 31, which is just sort of all about like this, uh, you know, like the sort of the ideal wife, the godly wife. And there's this line in there, you know, she's, she's this industrious woman who's taking care of her family and doing all of these things. She can laugh at the days to come. That's mentioned with all of these other great virtues. She can laugh at the days to come. I'm unthreatened. I'm unafraid. I'm unburdened by your narratives of fear and doom and destruction. Go ahead. 
What can man do to me? Then the mask comes off. The power vanishes. So this may sound all a little bit of mystical and dramatic and whatever, and it is somewhat. But I think it's, I think it's really important to step back and understand the state is not a leader or a political party or a system of governance or laws written on paper. The state is an idea. It's a belief that there is this thing called authority, disembodied thing, which is the right to monopolize violence over others. And this mantle gets placed on people, whether through elections or conquest or whatever your method of government is, but that it's legitimate, that somebody has to bear that mantle and then everyone has to obey them. That's the dark, pernicious lie. And looking at the concept that we're all familiar with of the devil or Satan and understanding a disembodied entity with no creative power that can only feed off of others and harness their dark energy and can only exist and and have power to the extent that people are afraid of it and believe in it and give it attention. Using that to understand the state and how and why it exists and maintains power and how and why it changes in size and ability. Some states are weak. Some states are very strong at various points in history and it oscillates. I think it's a very powerful analogy, especially when it comes to thinking about how to emancipate people and how to expand your own and and others' freedom and why politics, revolution by force, direct confrontation don't work and won't work.